So we are, um, we're going to do something a little bit different here, if you don't mind. Um, and if you do mind, I don't know what to say to you. But anyway, so no, let's go ahead. Uh, do me a favor. Uh, in the back, if, uh, just humor me. In the back of, the, of, of your pews, there's Bibles there. If you want to bring those out and open them up uh, to, to, um, to the first page there in Colossians, if you want to show the next slide, it gives the page numbers. So we're going to, I'm going to take a moment, and there's a reason why I want to do this. I'm going to take a moment, and I want to just sit in Scripture just for a second. And the reason being is that we are in this season of, of Advent. Yes, everyone? And we all understand that. And every year, Advent comes. <laughs> Christmas comes every year, right? And same thing as Easter. And, and so it can, it, what can happen is, is that the messages and the things that we preach about each and every Advent, it can get a little possibly old. And it could become kind of this like this record that plays in the background and we nod along and, and we close that chapter when Christmas is over and we keep on keeping on. I just want to take a moment and just rest here for a second in some scripture because the, the message series, this, this thrill of hope and hope meaning our assurance our expectations all found in Jesus Christ. Not a hope in, as you heard before the joke, that I hope that the, you know, OSU is going to win or, or, or something along those lines, which most OSU fans, actually, it's probably not a good example because they're like, they are going to win. And even if they don't win, they won anyways because they're OSU, right? But that, that hope is an assured, anchored hope. And we're looking at Isaiah 9, and these names, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and the next one uh, is Prince of Peace. And if you've been around the church block, you've heard these names said, especially during this time, over and over and over again, sung in songs and things of that nature. And, and it's just so easy to just kind of overlook them and just be like, there's nothing real special about these names. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty, I mean, Mighty God, like, okay, we get it, Almighty God, but... Everlasting Father, sure, he's a father that's there forever, and, and, and so on and so forth. But within these names, and especially today, today's name, not to make one name more important than the other, but this is the only message that I'm preaching on, so obviously today is most important. No, the, 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 the message here, the everlasting, there is, there is something to unpack in that name that is more than just flippantly everlasting Father. Isaiah is really laying down some groundwork here and a great foreshadowing of what's to come that really does anchor our hope in the most uncertain times, as Amy talked about in her prayer. So let's sit in Scripture for a moment. I'm going to look at Colossians, the Gospel of John, and Isaiah. I want you to see this arc that is here, that is present, and telling us who this child is, this Messiah, this Jesus. So look at Colossians and listen to what the Apostle Paul says and see some, some unifying images, light and darkness and, 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 and being uh, existing before time began. This is repetitive in these passages. Just kind of look for it. So in Colossians chapter 1 verse 13, he has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom, in whom, within whom, we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of 
all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body in the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. I love the repetition of all things. Everything is being made perfect, made right. It's all coming through this Jesus, this Christ. I heard a joke once that says, do you know what the Greek translation of the word all is here? Do you know what it means? It means all. It means all, everything. All of it coming through him. Then jump over to the Gospel of John. You've heard possibly this once before, especially in this series. John chapter 1. And listen to now how the Gospel of John, the Gospel writer, tries to capture who Jesus is. And if you would, see the concert that is happening between Paul and John as they talk about who Jesus is. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word, that's Jesus, was with God. And the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things, word again, were made through him. And without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can't overcome it. And then in verse 14, and then the word became flesh. That's Jesus. And he dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Now John, that's John the Baptist, bore witness about him. You know John the Baptist. He's in the wilderness. He's eating locusts and things and baptizing people, all sorts of craziness, right? And he's really, really important to the story. But John will tell you, I'm not that important. The one who is to come is more important. John bore witness about him and cried out, this was he, Jesus, of whom I said, he who comes after me actually ranks before me because he was before me. Far from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Moses is great, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. And then you can just listen. You don't need to jump there if you don't want to. Our text in Isaiah. For unto us a child is born. To us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and with righteousness. From this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now, if we were all pomp and circumstance in here, I could have had you stand for all of that because of just the, the reading of the gospel. Tradition has a stand. 
And so you're welcome that I didn't do that, right? Because there was a lot, of, a lot of stuff there. But I just want you to feel the holiness of what has just been read and who Jesus is and who, what we'll see today, Isaiah is setting up. Because in this son that is given, all things, all things are going to happen. And to give the story away, the reason being is because this son that is given has been in existence from the very, very beginning when God wrote out how redemption, even before the world was begun, he was there. And so when we look at these names, wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace, don't miss the words that are qualifying these names. It is not just a counselor whom we go and sit on a couch and he has a clipboard and listens to all the things that we are saying and then charges us an arm and a leg for it and we leave and we think, I don't know what just happened. It's not that type of counselor. It's a perfect, most perfect and holy wise one. A wisdom that far exceeds anything that we could ever, ever dream up or experience. That's going to be in the son that's given. That's in him right from the beginning. And not just a God, not just a puny God, not just another one of the gods that we try to worship and, and it's distance and it's far. He's a mighty God. Jerry said the El Gabor, the almighty, all-powerful, all-supreme knowing God. Within him, he is this battle warrior who can fight our battles, all the things in the son, in this child that's given. And it's not just a father. It's not just another person who is going to be in charge of things. It's not just another person who's going to allow us to inherit stuff. It's an everlasting father, an eternal father. Look that today. And lastly, not just a fairy tale prince. We have Disney Plus. Anyone else have Disney Plus? You've got kids and grandkids. You get all the princes. You know, my daughter, I want to watch the princess movies. And, and the prince is this fairy tale, and it's great. This is not a fairy tale prince. This is the prince of peace, a peace and rule that will have no end. My friends, don't gloss over these names. Don't let Advent and Christmas pass you by and not take a moment and truly unpack what is here. Because within these names... We get the fullness of the Lord in the Son, and we also see how God is going to redeem this world. And that is a very, very big deal. <clears throat> the prophecy of Isaiah was written at an appointed time. Have you ever heard us talk about that? There is chronos time, which is minute by minute, hour by hour, and then there's appointed time. That's God appointed time, that God said, this is when this is going to happen. And so Isaiah's prophecy comes at a point in history where all of the Israelites are in bad shape, right? We've got rulers and kings doing awful ruler and king stuff. And the Israelites, God's people, they asked for that. If you remember in Old Testament stuff, when we've, when we've preached about this before, there was this guy named Samuel who told all the Israelites, hey, guess what? You don't want a king. You don't want a king. Your king is in the Lord. That's your king. There, him. 
And they're like, no, Samuel, we want somebody who's going to fight our battles. We want somebody who's going to be mighty. We want somebody who's going to take care of us. We want somebody to do all those things. And Samuel's like, oh, no, no, no. Because if you put a mere human in that position, they are going to squander it all. And they are going to lead you astray. And they're like, he's like, so, so we're good, right? You have God as your king. And they're like, no, get away. And so they put the human kings into place. And we know the rest of the story. It went very, very bad for them. So now Isaiah is raised up. He's appointed. So this is appointed time. And he gives this prophecy to them. And it's basically saying, listen, the hope, our, our renewal, our redemption, it ain't going to come from another king that's just going to take and inherit the throne from the king before him. It's not going to come from that. It's going to come from a kingly line in which I had established, the Davidic line, so we're in a lineup with all these prophecies here, and it's going to be a king, a ruler, a person like no one you've ever seen before, without fault and without blemish. This son given by the Lord is going to ascend to this throne, and he will be the best counselor we've ever seen, the most perfect counselor, the high and most perfect God, the most perfect father, and the most perfect prince of peace. And it's in him where you find your hope and redemption. And so the risk that we have in seeing these names is kind of like what the Israelites did. We, we begin to try to understand it with our own finite human minds, and we don't really grasp the history and the thing that God is doing with this given son. And if we do that, if we look at it with those finite minds, we will never have our hope secured. We'll never experience that thrill. If we don't understand the most perfect qualities that have been listed here that are coming from this son, and that this is happening so that all of us, all things can be made through him and reconciled and made right, if we don't get that, we don't get hope. Because that says that no matter what happens in this world, unexpected deaths, storms that rage through towns, a pandemic that continues on and has taken lives, no matter what happens here on this world, you still have an active God who is with you and walking through you and can give you the wisdom to understand it, can fight your battles when you can't, and through him you'll get everlasting life and peace that it surpasses all understanding. So are we seeing, I'm just going to take a moment here and see why we're saying the thrill of hope is because in this son that is given... All of that is made um, right and assured. So we're talking about today, everlasting father. So let's get to the, the, the meat and potatoes of, of today, okay? All that other stuff that I just talked about to you right now, that was free. That doesn't count in the duration of my sermon. So the sermon starts right now, okay? We all good with that? <laughs> so we're going to look at everlasting father. And everlasting father can be a bit problematic for folks. The name everlasting father for a lot of reasons. One, we don't quite understand and grasp what the term everlasting means. And that is because everlasting actually means eternal. And the better way to, uh, to kind of establish this name, it's the title of the, uh, of the sermon, of the, of the message, Everlasting Father of Eternity. That word everlasting in the Hebrew there means eternal. 
in perpetuity, without end, continuing on. When I put this sermon together, I thought that I was going to get a great one-two punch with Jerry's sermon the week before where he talked about mighty God being El Gabor. And I saw Everlasting Father, and I know that that's another L name, Everlasting. And I thought, great, this is going to be El Olam, and this is going to be fantastic, and people are going to convert, and everyone's going to know Jesus' name. It's going to be great. And then I looked at it. It's not El Olam. It just simply means Father of Eternity. It's not a godly name. It's just Father of Eternity, the Eternal Father. And so this name, if we just say, oh, he's the everlasting God. You are the everlasting God. The Eternal Father, the Father of Eternity, meaning everything that is eternal, timeless, without end, finds its beginning and creation and curation in this son that is given. It is a total foreshadowing and prequel to for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever should believe in him shall not perish but have what? Eternal life. Through him. And so everlasting father can be problematic because we don't understand everlasting. It can also be problematic because we're calling the son father. And so and if you're all thinking about that, let's look at that first. How do we call the son father? And you may be thinking, okay, so there is the Holy Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. If you're Catholic, you know exactly what I just did, right? Father, Son, Holy Spirit. So there's three in one. Here's Isaiah saying the son will be called the father. What is going on here? Well, first off, let's let Isaiah off the hook because the Trinitarian theology for Isaiah, probably not in his view at the moment. And secondly, it's not necessarily trying to, to, to make God the father and, and, and not exist in that and there's just this conglomeration of things. What's happening here? I found this on the web. That's how I get my sermons, everybody. I get them right there. It's just, it's just coming through the watch. I'm just listening. No. Um, anyways, um, it's wonderful technology. So, no, what is happening here is that, that, that classification of father does have some patriarchal qualities to it. You know what I mean when I say patriarchal, like father, like, like fatherhood. I think more importantly, what, what Isaiah is saying here is of the father of eternity, that in this son... He will be the begatter of. It will come through him. So like we have the founding fathers, right? The founding fathers of our nation. The nation kind of came through their actions and what they were doing. It's almost kind of like the same thing. Better yet, let's make it biblical. In the Bible, we have other fathers that are mentioned. Father Abraham, right? Had many sons. And that's because through Abraham, some things happened. We'll, we'll get to that in a second. But... So here, what we're saying here is that this son, things are going to come through him as if he is the parent of it, as if he is the curator of it, as if he is the creator of it. And not only that, we will inherit those things. That's where the fatherly stuff comes in play. So in the Old Testament, fathers, they, they passed things down. You inherited things from them. They were in charge of you. They protected you. They did all of those things. Well, here in this son, this most perfect son, this most perfect father, 
eternity, eternal life is going to be found in him and come through him. And not only found in him and come through him, but will be made available to any who are his children. The Apostle Paul, of which we can cry out now, Abba, Father. We are now sons and daughters of God and co-heirs with Jesus in the full inheritance of what he has given, been given. And what Jesus has been given as the Messiah is eternal life, the way to get back to God. You've all have heard that story, right? Genesis 1, the big oops. Everything was all hunky-dory. We were with God. The way was open. They saw an apple or pomegranate or some sort of fruit, and they were like, you know what? I'm hungry. Let's go ahead and eat that. And then they ate that, and just bad, bad things happened. And they left. They were kicked out, exiled from God's presence. And so then what does God do? He puts an angel to guard the way to the tree of life, of everlasting life. That way is now guarded. Until when? The son who has been given, the father of eternity, has now been here, and he says in the Gospel of John, I am the way, the truth, and the life. That word life, zoe, means eternal life, spiritual and physical life. Jesus says, I am this way. And no one gets to the father, how? but through me. So this is all set up in this little itty-bitty line in the prophecy of Isaiah to people who don't understand a ding-dong thing. That in this son that has been given and why you can have hope is that the way back to the Father, the way back to where everything is great, the way back to the promised land, the way back to where you have identity, to where you have plan and purpose and all the things, is not going to be through earthly human kings. It is going to be through this most perfect person, son of mine. And if you believe in him, you have eternal life. So that's what it means by Father here. And the other reason why it could be problematic, and I just, need, well, I just want to call it out, <clears throat> especially if, so, you know, we're in this presbyt, we're in a denomination called ECO, okay? Before that, we were in the PCUSA, which is another denomination, and they started to, especially when I was going through ordination, they started to have some issues about calling God Father. And the reason being of using the Father terminology that I received was that so many people have such limited views of what fatherhood is. So many people could possibly have bad dads. Y'all get daddy issues. And so if we ascribe the name father to this great, all-knowing, all-supreme, all-loving being, the risk is that we won't come to him because our dads were imperfect. If I were to ask you on your bulletin to write down three characteristics of your father, some people in this room would be able to do it, and it would be a great exercise. And others in this room, it would be emotionally jarring. Because as dads go, and as mothers go, as humans go, we make mistakes. We hurt our children, sometimes intentionally, most times, hopefully, unintentionally. Through our own brokenness, things happen. I joked with Carrie. I said, well, one of us is going to send our kids to the therapist's couch at one point. I'll take Clara, 
you can take Caleb and we'll flip for Karis. So it's just, you know, it's just what it is. But that's, doing something like that is interpreting the truth of the Lord through our own imperfections. It's interpreting, the, it's limiting God. It's limiting Jesus. Because he's not just any old father. He's the father of eternity. And that God is going to do eternal things, ultimate things through him. He is not like Abraham who came before him. We all know the story of Abraham in Genesis. The song, Father Abraham had many sons. The Abraham means father of the multitudes. The story of Abraham goes that God picked him out. He told him to do things and Abraham listened. He obeyed. And God was like, good for you. I'm going to credit to you that as faith and righteousness. And I'm going to do some awesome things through you. You're going to have a son. Abraham's like, I'm 90-some years old. And my wife is 90-some years old. That's not going to work. And God's like, no, 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 no. It's going to work. You're going to have this son. And through that, your descendants will be numerous as the stars. Well, Abraham, who is all faithful and all obedient, thinks, uh, I better help God out. And then he lays with his slave woman, and then they have a son. And Abraham's like, look, there's the son. And God's like, no, 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 that's not going to happen. And cast that son out, and now there's all sorts of calamity with that. And then Abraham has Isaac, and everything is great. And God says to Abraham, take Isaac to this mountain and sacrifice him. And everyone is confused. Everyone except for Abraham, because Abraham tells the people that are there at the bottom of the mountain, wait here until we return. We're going to come back. He doesn't know how. He doesn't know how that's all going to happen, but his trust in the Lord is that he's going to come back. And of course, what happens is Abraham gets ready to take Isaac out, and God says, wait, wait, wait. Don't do that. Thank you again for being obedient. And he sends this ram in the thickets. And the ram is the thing that's going to be sacrificed. God provides the sacrifice that is needed. Ugh, prequel, right? And so Abraham goes on to be the father of multitudes. And then there are people that come after him. Moses comes after him, does amazing things. Uh, uh, um, uh, David comes after him, does amazing things. But they're all limited. They are all faulty. They serve their purpose. God works through them. But they don't get us to the end of the line. What's going to get us to the end of the line is what Isaiah says in his prophecy. A son's going to be given, and it's not just going to be any old father. It's not going to be the father of multitudes. It's going to be the father of eternity. So that through him, through Abraham, you can be called my people, but now through him, you will be my people. You will be with me. So you fast forward to Jesus in the Gospel of John chapter 8. And there are people that are surrounding Jesus, as they do, and they're beginning to kind of poke holes at his theology and what he's saying about himself. All these Jews, all these muckety-mucks, they don't like what he has to say. And then they, this is what they do in this scene in chapter 8. They bring up their history of Abraham. And they say to Jesus, are you telling us that you are better than our father Abraham? Are you better than him? 
Verse 52, chapter 8, the Jews said to him, now we know that you have a demon. Abraham died as did the prophets, yet you say, if anyone keeps your word, he will never taste death. Are you greater than Father Abraham who died and the prophets who died? Who do you make yourself out to be? So Jesus answered them, if I glorify myself, my glory means nothing. It is my Father who glorifies me, of whom you say he is our God. But if you have not known him, but you have not known him, I know him, and if I were to say I didn't, I'd be a liar just like you. He says this, your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day, and he saw it and was glad. Abraham saw the day of the father of eternity. He saw it on that mountain when the ram was provided. God is saying to him, you're not going to be the one to provide the sacrifice to make all this happen. I'm going to be the one that's going to do that. Abraham is a part of that and sees that and knows that it's not, he's not the end-all be-all here. And so Jesus is reminding them of that. And the interesting thing here, before I give the final blow of what Jesus is going to say, the interesting thing that, 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 just, sh that just shook my, my head here is that these Jews are saying that, that their hope is in people who died. That their death for the Lord means so much more than anything that Jesus could provide. Do you see that weird? That's a weird juxtaposition. We'd rather follow folks who did their thing and died than follow you and be offered eternal life because we don't exactly understand what that is and we don't accept that you're going to be the one to do it. Forgetting everything that Isaiah has said in his prophecy. So Jesus looks at them and says... And they even ask him, you're not even 50 years old. How have you seen Abraham? And Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Before Abraham even uttered a word, before Abraham was even chosen, before Abraham even existed, I am. I am the father of eternity. Eternal life is going to come through me. It is not going to come from anything that you earthly folks have ever done. Be it awesome and special and God did great things for you, but it didn't get you to the finish line. I'm going to get you to the finish line. And so if you want to see the father, if you want to know who he is and want to be with him, look nowhere else but to me. It's in John chapter 14. Look nowhere else but to me. I am the father. The father is in me. We are together here. And so don't look and put your hope in perishing things of this world, things that die, because that is not going to get you to the finish line. And it's not going to get you the life that goes on and on forevermore shall be. Everlasting Father. How do we call Jesus Father? It's because of what God is doing through him and because we who are his children can receive that eternal life by keeping his word, by eating of his bread, by believing in him through faith. And how can he be everlasting and eternal? Because before Abraham was, I am. I was there when eternity was authored. Now that is amazing that Isaiah captures that in those two words centuries before Jesus even comes on the scene and lets everyone know this is how redemption is going to come into this world. This is how we will be led out of darkness and into the light and this is how we will be forever, forever, 
forever God's people. I don't know who needs to hear this message today. You may be going through a valley right now thinking God is silent and distant and does not care. But that would be a gross misunderstanding and a limiting of who Jesus is. May we never, ever, ever look to Jesus as dead, gone, and not existent. Comes from a message from Charles Spurgeon. May we never look to him as someone who ceases to exist. The author in Hebrews tells us that because he has experienced everything, but is without sin, we can approach the throne of grace with an immense amount of confidence, boldness, and assurance, knowing that he has experienced everything and is in everything, and to wrap it all up together with Paul and the Gospel of John, in him all things are made right. He is the father of eternity. Before love came down, Jesus says, I am. Now, Christmas Eve, Jerry's going to go over to those candles. I'm giving it away. If you've been here for Christmas Eve, you've seen it. I love it. It's one of my favorite things about the Christmas Eve service. And he'll go and he'll start to extinguish the candles. You are going to do that again this year, right? Because this totally ruins it if you're not. Okay, good. So he, uh, he's going to go and extinguish these candles. And he's going to leave one candle lit. And he extinguishes them because he explains that there came a time where there was darkness and uncertainty. And people didn't know what was going on. But he leaves one candle lit, and it's the candle of hope. Because that is the one thing that doesn't go out. Because he is the father of eternity. And all things come through and are made through him. And so when we go from Malachi to Matthew, the end of the Old Testament to the New, and there's that great span of silence... The gospel opens up and take heart because we've got angels, we've got Mary singing songs, Elizabeth singing songs, priests doing their thing, that, that, that those habits, that system didn't die out. It wasn't that God stopped talking and then there wasn't anything. They continued on in hope and hope and longing that he will come again. May that be the thing that spurs your hope, your thrill of hope this Advent season. May you always remember that he has wisdom that surpasses anything we could ever think of, that he is the almighty God, and that he is the father of eternity, that through him we will have and have eternal life. Let's pray. Gracious Lord Jesus, I thank you for your message today in that reminding us that there is so much stuff that happens in this world. There are so many things that that can just take and loosen our anchor of hope. And it's in those times of loosening that we realize that our anchor wasn't in you, but was in something that was shifting and something that was not eternal, that was limited. May we secure our hope in the eternal, everlasting, Father of eternity, the Son Most High, Jesus the Christ. And may it never be moved no matter what comes on this side of heaven. For there will be a day of great rejoicing where we will be with you, seated at the table with you, brothers and sisters in Christ, 
calling the Father Abba and receiving all of that inheritance because of what you have done and what you have secured in your life and death and resurrection. May that be the thing that gives us hope. May that be the thing that shines our light in this darkness and so that others may receive the same good news. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.